Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. And today I want to talk to you about thriving in a society that is filled with stress and anxiety. And I'd like to start back in Proverbs where it says this, Proverbs 12, anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression. Now, we are living in a society where, where depression is like epidemic. I read this past week where it is estimated that depression costs our society $43 billion a year. Right? And you should not be living all right, under a tremendous amount of stress, anxiety, or depression. In fact, when Jesus sends out his disciples, he sends them out two by two. Right? This is in Luke chapter 10. And he says, now when you go out, he says, and you enter a house, he says, the first thing you do is you say, peace to this house. Right? And he says, if there's a person of peace there, he says, your peace will rest on this house. Now, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying that you need a house, a home that's full of peace. Right? Not a place of anxiety, not a place that's filled with stress, right? but every one of us, we need a place of peace. And that place should be our home. Right? Now, something is, stress is something that every single one of us in our society deals with. Even the great men and women in the Bible, they dealt with stress. Right? They, they, they dealt with the things that, we're, that we deal with. You know, Jeremiah, the prophet, he got so sick of people, so sick of the people's expectations and the rejection and everything that was going on. Listen, this is what he said. This is Jeremiah 9. All right? He said, oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place for travelers, that I might leave my people. Anybody ever been there? That I might leave my people. All right? All my family. All those people I work with, my friend, everybody who's causing me, me problems, and go from them. All right? So he's like, hey, I just want to get away from people because people are the problem. All right? And I just want to go out in the desert. Here's what I figured. I figured what he was basically saying is I want to move to Arizona and I want to get in the hotel business someplace out in the desert where nobody can find me. I can get away from all my problems. All right? And then I'm going to have a little bit of peace. You know, even Jesus, he understands what's going on. There were constantly demands on him, people's expectations. He was misquoted. He was misunderstood. He is constantly having to correct his disciples who were getting everything wrong. All right? The Pharisees and the Sadducees were trying to discredit him. All right? The crowds were constantly hounding him for miracles. He goes to Nazareth, his hometown. He gets rejected. Right? He's betrayed by one of his inner circle. Right? He's constantly marching towards the cross. He knows what's coming. And at the same time, they are so busy, the Bible says they didn't even have time to eat. And he says to his disciples, hey, let's go, let's get away, let's separate ourselves, let's go out in a desert place and let's rest. And they tried to go, and the Bible says that multitudes of people followed him. All right? So Jesus understood about stress. He understood about anxiety. Now, this is what he said in John 14 and verse 1. He said, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, notice what he says here. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. Here's what we live. This is the way most of us live. Most of us live the way our emotions go. If our emotions are up, we're up. 
If our emotions are down, we're down. Like we said, well, I'm just sad, I'm depressed, I'm hopeless. This is how I feel, all right? And we live by our feelings, all right? Jesus is saying, do not do that. You're going, yeah, but I feel. Jesus is going, shut up. We don't care how you feel because you cannot live by your feelings, right? If, if I lived by my feelings, I would not be your pastor, all right? And, and let me just tell you a shut up story. All right. Jeannie and I, we, we, we got married out in the state of Washington. Right? And, and her family, her older sisters and her cousins had started a tradition. Right? And the, 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 the tradition was this, that you take your honeymoon and you take, your, they would take their uncle's pickup truck with a camper on the back. It stuck way up high. All right? And then we, we'd go out in the mountains and uh, in, in Idaho, up in the mountains by this beautiful stream in Laird Park. And they would, that's where they'd, they'd like do their, their honeymoon. They'd camp and, and walk the trails and, and everything. And so that's what Jeannie wanted to do. So that's what we did. So we get married, right? We, we spend the night in a hotel about 15 miles away, right? We get up in the morning, we go to this little pancake house. And, and then we get in the truck and, and we're leaving the, the hotel, the motel. Right? And, and, and it has this awning, you know, that where, where you leave. And now I had never even pulled a trailer or driven a vehicle that was very high. Right? And as we go to leave, all right, we hit the awning and take the awning out. Right? This is not funny. Right? <laughs> you, are, you are responding wrong. All right. So, so, so the guy that's in charge, he comes out because that's right where his office is, is right by that awning. You know, he comes out and, and, and I mean, he's like, you blankety, blank, blank, blank. What in the blankety are you? You blankety. Look what you blank you did. You know, I mean, this guy would embarrass a sailor. All right. And I'm just like, oh. and Jeannie is just like you. She starts to laugh. This guy is, I mean, he is tearing me. I mean, he's tearing me apart. And Jeannie starts laughing. And I turn to her, my bride of 12 hours. <laughs> and I said, shut up. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm telling you this for a reason, all right? No matter how bad you start, no matter how bad it was, I just want you to know that it can get good and it can get better and it can get absolutely great. All right. Don't think oh, I blew it. I blew it. No, 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 no. God can redeem you no matter how bad you blew it. All right. So Jesus is saying, if we're, we're saying, yeah, but I feel depressed and I'm hopeless and I'm sad and this is how I feel and this is my life. And Jesus is saying, shut your mouth. He said, do not let your heart be troubled. In other words, Jesus is saying, you do not need to let your emotions run your life. Right? You need to run your emotions and not let your emotions run your life. So here's what Jesus said. He says, and he says this, listen, he says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Here's what Jesus is telling us, that your emotions are affected by what you believe, by what you think. Right? If you're thinking wrong, you're believing wrong, your emotions are going to be wrong. Right? Over in Isaiah 55, it says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his 
thoughts and let him return to the Lord. Right? See, if you're away from God in your thoughts, if you're away from God in what you believe, all right, then you're going, you're, when you believe wrong, it's going to produce wrong feelings. In fact, back in Proverbs, anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression. You know, because you've got that anxiety, because you're thinking wrong, because you're believing wrong, you're going to end up depressed. So Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He's saying, believe right. You believe the right things about God, that he's for you, right? that he loves you, that he's forgiven you, that he's on the inside of you, that he is your helper, that he always causes you to triumph in Christ. Right? When you believe the right things, you're going to think the right things, and you are not going to have your emotions going crazy. Jesus is saying you need to control your emotions. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 deals with the exact same subject. Right? And it says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Now, what it's talking about is what we sometimes call spiritual warfare. Right? Now, people can get really funny when it comes to spiritual warfare. Right? Joyce Myers wrote a book, and I think the title of the book really explains spiritual warfare. She says that the title of the book is The Battlefield of the Mind. Right? The, the battlefield in spiritual warfare is your mind. It is a battlefield for your thoughts, right? for the things that you believe. That's, that, that's where the battlefield takes place. So it says the weapons of our warfare is if you're a Christian, you're in a spiritual battle whether you realize it or not. And it's for your thoughts. It's for what you believe. Right? They're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Now, you may have never thought about it this way, but if you believe wrong or you think wrong, it's a stronghold. It is a stronghold. It is a hold that the enemy can get on you and keep you from the things that God has for you, keep you from moving into the blessing and the breakthrough and the peace and the joy and the provision that God has for you. It is a stronghold. It keeps you captive. So it says, how do we do it? Casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. One translation says imaginations. You know, when, when, when something is coming against your life, your mind begins to imagine what could happen. And your mind probably imagines the worst-case scenario of what could happen, right? And what the Bible is saying is, is don't let your imagination run wild. Don't, don't just let that thought go, right? And run that thought through your mind. Oh, this is what's going to happen. You know, I'm going to lose my house, and I'm going to lose my retirement. I'm going to lose my job. And, man, my wife's probably going to leave me. I'm going to lose the respect of my kids. I'm going to lose. You know, he says, take authority over that imagination, right? Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. In other words, picture your mind as a parking lot, right? And a car comes into the parking lot, you either give it a parking space or you don't. Right? If it's the wrong thought, if it disagrees with what God says about you, right? you don't let that thought park, you just let it go. Right? But if it's a right thought and it agrees with what God says about you, 
All right? Then you receive that thought. And any thought that's wrong, you take it captive and you throw it out. You say, no, that is not the truth. God is for me and not against me. And greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. You take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Then Jesus keeps going. Verse 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. Right? So Jesus is telling us two things about controlling our thoughts. He says, first of all, make sure you're believing right, you're thinking right. He says, but also, he says, be sure you're focusing on the right thing. Realize that this world that you and I live in, it is temporary. Right? In fact, I want you to touch the pew that you're in right now. And if you're watching online, you just touch whatever you're, you're sitting on or the table that you're at. Touch something. Right? That's the natural world. But the spiritual world is more real than the natural world. The spiritual world created the natural world. It was here before the natural world. It'll be here after the natural world. Right? And we tend to think of spiritual things as kind of spooky, like Casper the Friendly Ghost, you know, kind of floating around. But they are more, they are more real. And Jesus is saying, look, he says, realize this no matter what's happening in your life. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He says, and I'm going to come back and I'm going to receive you to myself. And where I am there, you're going to be also. He's saying, focus on the eternal. Realize that you're a child of God, you're forgiven, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. The Bible says that your citizenship is in heaven and that Jesus, the King of kings, your Redeemer, the lover of your soul, your King, He's coming back for you that where He is, there you may be also. And there may be a whole lot of things that are going wrong, that are going sideways in this world, but there's something that can never go sideways. You do realize that he will never be impeached. He doesn't come up for re-election. He is King of Kings, Lord of Lords, today and forever. And Jesus is saying, you know, don't let your heart be troubled. Take care of your thoughts. Make sure you're believing the right thing. And remember, read the end of the book. We win. We win. He said, I'm coming back for you. All right. So don't let your emotions run your life. Jesus said, believe right, think right, and focus on the fact that you have an eternal destiny with God. Right? I like what Smith Wigglesworth said. Now, Smith Wigglesworth was an evangelist in the first part of the 20th century. He literally had a revival on every inhabited continent. Now, this is what Smith Wigglesworth said. He said, I never ask Smith how he feels. He said, I tell him how he feels. I like that. You know, we need to tell ourselves, look, you're forgiven. You're redeemed. You're justified. Your citizenship is in heaven. God always leads you in triumph in Christ. And you are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. You know, you start telling yourself who you are, and you're going to start feeling it. Here's what we want to do. We want to feel our way into acting. But the truth is, you can believe your way into feeling. You got that? All right, write that down. Tweet that. All right. All right. So, 
David, even in the Old Testament, dealt with the same thing. Uh, Absalom is rebelling against David. His own son wants to kill David, kill the entire family. All right? and, and, and David's mind is going crazy. David has got 3,000 men with him. And literally, Absalom has the rest of the nations. It's hundreds of thousands, right? And his mind is going crazy, all right? And in Psalms 116, David says this. He says, return to your rest, O my soul. So your, he, he says, my soul or my mind is imagining things that it should not imagine. It's imagining I'm going to get killed, the family's going to get killed, all the, my children are going to get killed, Absalom's going to take over. He says, return to your rest, O my soul. In other words, his spirit is talking to his soul or his mind. And literally what he's doing, he is talking to himself. All right? So all you ladies, you just, Psalms 116, it is scriptural to talk to yourself. Because right? that's what he's doing. Now, here's the, here's the deal. You got to have good self-talk. You got to talk to yourself right, not wrong. Right? Not, 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 oh, I'm such a fool. I'm such an idiot. I can't do anything right. That's the wrong way to talk to yourself. Right? But you got to talk to yourself and you need to tell yourself what God says about yourself. Right? So he says, return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. And he begins to look at his life. Right? And, and the first thing he does is he goes back to the period where King Saul was trying to kill him. And literally for 10 years, he's running for his life. And the Bible says that Saul, he hated David, and he sought him to kill him every day. Now, when you got the king trying to kill you every day for 10 years, that is not good. And this is what he says. He says, in all of that, he said, you delivered me. From his hand. This is what the Bible says. But the Lord did not deliver David into his hand. So he says, God, for 10 years, when the king and his army were trying to kill me, you protected me. And he begins to be thankful. He's thinking, God, thank you for that. And then he says, in my soul from death. Right? My soul from death. And my eyes from tears. Now, he had a number of terrible things happen to his family that broke his heart. And he says, you delivered my eyes from tears. I had a broken heart, but you healed my heart. And then the last one that he recounts is he says, in my feet from falling. Well, we all know what happened. He commits adultery with Bathsheba, and then he has her husband, Uriah, sent into the battle and has the troops retreat so that he's killed. And the Bible says he killed Uriah with the sword of the Ammonites. And then he comes to God and he says, God, I repent. I turn back. God, have mercy on me. And this is what he says. He said, God, he put me in a large place and he put my feet on a solid rock. He says, God forgave me and God renewed me and God put my feet back on a solid rock after I had messed up as bad as anybody could ever mess up. And he's thankful again. And what does he do? As he begins to be thankful to God, he realizes the same God that delivered me again and again and again is the God who's going to deliver me today. And what happens? His soul, his mind, 
goes back to that place of peace. What's he doing? He's thinking right and he's believing right. Right? Let me just say this. The God that loves you, the God that, 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 that lives on the inside of you, that sent the Holy Spirit, the helper, the standby, the one that's there to put you over. The Bible says it this way in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. It says that God causes all things to work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. You may look at your situation and it may look like an absolute mess today. But do you know what? God is able to turn that thing around and work it together for your good. Listen, uh, I'm, let me just tell you a little story. In, in, in the book of Genesis, there's a story about a boy named Joseph. He's 17 years old. His brothers hate him. And they sell him as a slave. And he goes to Egypt as a slave. As he's working for, for the person that purchased him, uh, he's lied about, falsely accused of rape, thrown in a dungeon where he's forgotten for several years. Right? But through a period of uh, a group of circumstances, he ends up standing before the king, before Pharaoh. Literally, he wakes up in a dungeon, and they bring him before Pharaoh. Pharaoh tells him a dream. He interprets the dream and says, this is what you should do. And God, the Bible says, gave him favor and gave him wisdom. And he gets promoted that day to prime minister. So let me just take a break here. So he starts in a dungeon in the morning. And he went to bed prime minister of the most powerful nation on earth. God can get you anywhere in 24 hours. You might look at your life and you say, I'm in a dungeon. Let me tell you something. God can get you anywhere in 24 hours. And your circumstances can totally, dramatically, completely change in 24 hours. Now, when he was 17 years old, he had a dream. And in that dream, his brothers came and bowed down before him. Well, the famine comes, and nine years after he's promoted, his brothers come, and they're bowing down before him. And he remembers that dream, the brothers that sold him as a slave. And he tells his brothers, look, I'm Joseph, I'm your brother. And this is what he said to them. He said, you sold me, and you meant it for evil. And then he said, but God meant it for good. I was reading a Max Lucado book just a few, oh, probably six, seven months ago. And he did a Hebrew word study, and this is what he said. He said, literally, he said, this is how it should be translated. He said, you meant it for evil, but God reweaved it for good. You know, there's things that people may mean for evil against you, but God is able to reweave that thing for good. The devil might want bad things for you. He might bring things your way. But what the devil weaves for evil, God will reweave for your good. And we need to have faith and confidence that the God that loves you, the God that is on the throne, is still able today to turn your situation around. All right. So <clears throat> Jesus said this in in Mark 4, in verse 19. But the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things enters in and it chokes the word and it becomes or proves unfruitful. Now, the, the word of God becomes unfruitful. It does not bless your life. It does not produce a profit, right? When you let the cares of this world be the pursuit of your life instead of seeking first the kingdom of God, or the deceitfulness of riches. 
We can just call that the keeping up with the Joneses. All right? When you think that stuff is the purpose of your life. It says it will cause the word of God to be choked and become unfruitful. Keeping up with the Joneses. Somebody said it like this. They said, we spend money that we do not have for things we do not need to impress people we do not like. The deceitfulness of riches. It says to you, yeah, if you had that, you'd be happy. Listen, Jeannie and I lived in an Indian village in in Mexico for two years. And and I remember being out in even a more distant village. There's no electricity. There's no running water. There's no bathrooms. It's a thatched roof, sticks uh, for walls. They have to go down to the river with a bucket and get water, dirt floor. And let me tell you something. I met some of the happiest people on earth. Because stuff, stuff does not make you happy. All right? It doesn't make you happy. And Jesus said, if you focus on stuff, he said, you will choke the word of God and it will become unfruitful. So what should we be doing? What we should be doing is we should be focusing our attention on God. Focus on the kingdom. Jesus said this. Excuse me, Philippians says this. It says, don't be anxious about anything or don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Pray about everything. With supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. One translation says that that peace of God will garrison around you like soldiers around a fort. And in it, that peace, it says, it passes all all understanding. It says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Say, uh, I I, I was uh, reading something just recently, and and I came across something I thought was really interesting. And uh, guys, can you put the picture up there? Uh, This is is often referred to, all right, as the appeal to heaven flag, all right? Now, this was the flag that was used during the Revolutionary War, all right? When uh, In 1775, after Bunker Hill, George Washington commissioned uh, a navy, and this was the the flag of our navy. Our our navy flag was appeal to heaven. Think about that. Now, now, how many of you know, how far have we fallen? You know, today, somebody might be offended. They don't want us to pray in, in schools. You know, they don't want us to pray in public. But yet, when our nation began... The flag that was on our Navy was appeal to heaven. All right? Let me say this. The first place that we should appeal to is always heaven. It shouldn't be the last place. You know, I have literally heard people say this. Well, what can we do? Nothing but pray. Kind of like we're down to prayer. I mean, we, 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 we are all the way down. I mean, this is the last draw, last resort. Pray. All right? I, I just want you to know that our nation didn't start out that way. They started out with the first resort was prayer. And the Bible says the first thing that we need to do when we're facing problems and we're facing difficulties, the first thing that we need to do is pray. Don't worry about anything, big or small, whether it has to do with your finances, whether it has to do with your relationships, your marriage, your kids, whatever it is, the first thing to do is to pray. Pray about everything with supplication and thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. You say, why? 
The Bible says, cast your cares on Him because He cares for you. Why go to God? Because He cares. And He does more than care. He answers those prayers. He answers that prayer. And the Bible says the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. See, people will look at you and think, don't you know you've got problems and you've just got peace? Because you know God is working on your behalf. And He's going to work all things together for the good of those that love God, to those that are called according to His purpose. Would you please bow your heads for just a moment? And again, please, nobody moving unless it's absolutely necessary to move. Right? You know, we live in a society that believes that good people go to heaven. And, and I want to tell you what the Bible teaches because that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches forgiven people go to heaven. It teaches that everybody is welcome in heaven. Everybody gets in the same way and that everybody can meet the requirements. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, you can meet the requirements. But Jesus said this. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. What he's saying is this, that all of my efforts will never make me right with God. And all of your efforts will never make you right with God. There is one way to be right with God. One way to forgiveness. One way to peace in your heart. One way to peace with God. And that is through Jesus. And so Jesus said, you must be born again. You say, what does that mean? That means you need to give him all of your heart and all of your life. With Jesus, it's never a halfway thing. It's all your heart or all your life. And listen, he's not a thief to steal your heart. He's not a manipulator to manipulate it from you. If you have not intentionally given Jesus your heart and your life, you still have it. But people will say, well, I know about God. I believe in God. I got Easter and Christmas. I know all about it. Listen, salvation is not about your head. Salvation is about your heart. Have you given Jesus all of your heart and all of your life? Have you done what he said? Have you been born again? And if you're here today and you're not right with God or you're away from the Lord, you say, I don't know where I stand with God. Jesus said, this is a must. You need to do this. Do not gamble with your soul. And I'm going to count to three in just a moment and ask you to lift your hand. And when you do, you lift your hand. We're going to pray. And God's going to meet you right here in this place. And when we say amen, you're going to be forgiven. You're going to be right with God. So I want you to get ready. As you're lifting your hand in a moment, you're saying to God, first of all, I know I'm a sinner, need a Savior. And I know there's just one Savior, and that's Jesus. And I'm coming to Jesus to be forgiven and to be saved. One. As you lift your hand, you're saying, God, today, I'm giving Jesus all my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. Two. Now get ready. As you lift your hand, you're saying, today, Jesus is going to come into my heart. I'm going to receive him. I'm going to give him all my heart and life. He's going to blood wash me from my sin, make me a new person on the inside, a part of his family, on my way to heaven. Three. Lift that hand up. Pray with me. Pray with me. I'm not right, but I want to get right. Thank you. I see that hand and that hand and that hand. Are there others? Include me, Pastor. I'm not where I should be. I want to get right. Thank you. God bless you. Way in the back. God bless you. All right. Would everybody please stand? 
And just take one hand, place it over your heart, lift your other hand towards heaven, and we're going to pray with those that just lifted their hands. just want you to make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. I receive him today as my king. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer. That my past is gone. That I am your child. A part of your family. Today and forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616-534-4923 or visit us at reslife.org.